Right, we're going to look today in Mark chapter 5, verses 21 to 34, and I'll make reference to a few verses after that, but I'm going to read to you this morning, uh, 21 to 34. It goes like this. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of a large lake, uh, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter is dying, please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately, her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding, uh, you see the people crowding against you, the disciples answered, and yet you ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet and trembled with fear, told him the whole truth, and said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Now, a lot of people read that and they're like, Power left Jesus. How could he not know? How could he not understand why this happened if he's all-knowing, all-powerful? Well, we're going to get to that, and we're going to answer that question this morning. But we need to recognize that Christ's healing, and when I talk about Christ's healing, yes, there's physical healing. We know that. I've experienced it. Other people have experienced it. We've all been kind of around it, and if you haven't, that's okay. But there is healing when it comes to emotional healing. There's all sorts of types of healing that Jesus brings. Spiritual healing. Emotional healing, physical healing, relationship healing. There's a lot of healing that's happened. This particular verse is talking about a physical healing, but it's more really, if you dig deep into it, about the concept of what it means to be healed. And we always have the questions, why does God heal one and not the other, or why does God do something and not the other in Scripture? Well, I don't know if we're going to be able to answer that, answer that fully today, but we might have a good idea. So despite that, so with with God's healing, and and we know that there's different types of healing, it's an act of God's grace, and it's an act of his power that washes over us and gets rid of all the um, uncleanliness, cleans us, and gets rid of it forever. And despite us speaking in the church about grace and about forgiveness in the church life, it's easy to hold on to our past. It's easy to hold on to our regrets, our shame. We're, we're very self-condemning. We can hold on to those things because we don't feel good enough. When God says, I forgive you, when God says, I'm extending forgiveness, I've died for you, we don't feel we're worthy. And many people struggle with this And many people have said to me, I'm not good enough, or God wouldn't want me. I've done too many bad things. We've all done bad things. But to say that really says that we've missed something as a church, as an organization, as as evangelicals, as Christians, that we've missed spreading the word, 
that it doesn't matter about your past, what you've done, what you've thought, how you've been. God loves you and will accept you. So we have to be better at communicating that to the people we know. That's why in Scripture, and, I, and I'm like a, like a broken record. Records was one of those things. It was made spun around and it broke. It didn't work. Yeah, okay. Just think of it as a, as a defect in your digital audio. But it, I talk about God's love. Some of you get it. Some of you are going, I don't, I don't know what that means. When we talk about God's love, and when I mention it all the time, it's because it's scriptural. It's because Jesus says to do it. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and then they'll know you by how you love each other. I don't know if we've done a very good job in, in, in Christian communities of communicating that because there's so many louder voices out there fighting for other things. And again, I don't like to get political. I don't like to get into that stuff. But if we're showing that love, and again, it's hard. Some people are grace growers. It makes it very difficult. But if we're showing that, then they'll understand that. And they'll know it better. But people think they're not good enough to come to church. People think they're not good enough to hang out with Christians. Hmm, interesting. I, I, I find that kind of, it's sad, but it's also funny. Because I don't know anybody here that's perfect. So they don't have to be good enough. They don't have to be perfect to come. God will work in their lives. And so we need to be better at that as Christians. We need, we need to change our verbiage a little bit. And think about that. Pray about that this week. That's a little side note. Um, but it's really easy for us to hold on to the negative. How many in your relationship... Don't put your hands up. How many in your relationships... Hold on to the negative. Somebody says something to you, a spouse, family member, whatever, and it could be a tone. Watch your tone. Your tone, it could be anything. And we go, that hurt my feelings. And you hold on to it. And you don't say anything. You don't clarify. We do that. It's easier to believe the negative. Do you find that? They must hate me. They must not like me. They must be mad at me. But there's a reason why you know, they've got these sayings about wearing another person's shoe or walking in their feet or walking in their shoes or whatever the saying is. You, you know what it is. There's a reason why that's true. So we have a hard time. We have a hard time letting go of stuff. And we have a hard time of recognizing that, that um, we don't have to be perfect. We just have to be loving and caring. And that's tough. That's tough. It's tough. So we need to work on that. We need to be better at it. So sometimes we feel like our past is so dark uh, that it can't be wiped out, that our sins are too great, that they can't be covered over. And Jesus is saying, that's not true. We can do it. And this passage shows the power of Christ's healing to make us clean. So here's a couple thoughts for you. A couple thoughts are that Christ heals the bleeding woman in a display of divine power and purity, allowing her to return to the temple and to worship with the community. And I'll, I'll address that in a minute. Um, we, we see our own story in this passage that Christ is extending his salvation to us and, our, and overcomes our sin, making us pure and holy in his sight, which allows us to live freely and fully in Christian community. When, when I got saved, it changed my life. Were things perfect? No. When you got saved, your life was changed. There were certain things that were different. And that's how it starts. And we build on top of that. 
And so this story, in this story, Christ performs two miracles. And if we go past the scripture that I read, he, he finishes uh, the, the rising uh, of the daughter. But the first one is that, is, and the primary one is, is Jairus' daughter is raised uh, and healed. Um, he's a synagogue leader. And uh, him coming to Jesus would have been kind of a big deal. The second miracle occurs on the way to this synagogue leader's house. When the woman um, has, has had an illness, she's been bleeding for tw- 12 years and approaches Jesus for healing. The, this poor woman has been ill for as long as the Jairus' daughter has been alive. Um, and she has spent all her money, this woman has spent all her money on doctors to get better, and yet it only got worse, and we see that in verse 26. So according to Leviticus laws, um, she was not allowed to enter the temple to worship because she was considered unclean because of her bleeding. There's a whole bunch of rules in there. We don't really want to have to get into it. I'm okay with talking about it, but you might not like it, so we won't go there. But she was considered unclean, okay? And then you know, after a week or so, normally she would be clean. You get where I'm going here? All right, beautiful. So she continued to bleed and was not clean. So she could never go to the synagogue to worship, which probably caused some issues for her. And so according to these laws, until she was made clean, she couldn't do it. It, Very similar to the Good Samaritan. All the religious people walked by, (laughs) Person on the road in the ditch. Everybody just walks by. And then the Samaritan, the good Samaritan, stops by and helps take care of the wounded person. Now, we know from that story that the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not get along, mainly because Samaritans were half Gentile and half Jew. goes back to the Assyrians. So, you know, that's just a quick version of what happened there. But nobody liked the Samaritans, especially the Jews. So there was an issue there. So, but they considered this man unclean because he was bleeding, because he was beaten. So the priests, the religious people, the Jewish people could not touch him. Otherwise, they would be considered unclean and couldn't go worship. So a lot of rules, a lot of rules. So this woman was struggling with this. And while in most narratives about Christ doing a miracle of healing, we see Christ extending his hand. He'll do something. He'll touch. He'll rub. Remember last week we talked about rubbing, rubbing his, his mud goop in the blind person's eyes? Well, he would usually do something. This one is really cool. This, this, this healing is very excited. exciting because he didn't do that. The woman went for him. And then in her mind, thought, if I can just do it. She took it upon herself to go. A woman who's not supposed to be, because she's considered unclean, anywhere around religious people or whatever, she's, she decides, i got to go do this. And when she touches him, she is healed. She knows and feels and understands. And then what does Jesus do? This is what I find kind of humorous. He goes, who touched me? Who touched the cloak of my garment? It's like, you're Jesus. You know. You know who touched you. You're supposed to be all powerful. And you would think he would go, I shouldn't draw attention to her. She's been kind of 
isolated. She's not allowed to go. I, don't, I, shouldn't, I shouldn't embarrass her. So I, you would think that. But Jesus goes, who did this? Like, has she not suffered enough public embarrassment by not being allowed to go anywhere? Could you not let her go in peace with like a silent, I got you? One of those, right? No, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. The public embarrassment caused by singling her out signifies his individual care and love for her. He will not let her slip away and remain anonymous. He forces the issue so that when she leaves healed, she will leave knowing that the one who healed her knows her and cares about her. He doesn't just let it happen and walk away like, eh, some power drained out of my robe, I'm good. No. He wants to show her. He knows who touched. He knows what she did. And he wants to make sure she understands that he loves her and she's important to him. Jesus shows that she is worth taking time and she is worth taking that time to address her and treat her like a human. He forces her to step out on the faith that she's already shown, but also in more faith, and be identified. He's not going to bankrupt her like the doctors have done, but she must publicly acknowledge her debt to Jesus as being the source of the healing. When she does, he blesses her and announces that her faith has made her well. Faith not any mystical properties that are in Jesus' robe or clothing. None of that has done it. It was her faith that has caused her healing, but her faith in someone specifically. And while the woman approached approached her in fear and was embarrassed but, but yet was focused, Christ praised her actions and her faith and says this in verse 34, Daughter, your faith has made you well. One commentary says this, Now Jesus completely lifts her out of the quagmire and not only bestows status on her calling her daughter, but also will use her as a model of faith for Jairus and his daughter as he's going to her house to see this little girl. Ultimately, it is not this woman's ritual purity that defines her for Christ. It's her faith. It's her faith in him. And even after accepting salvation, sometimes we often feel shame and remorse for past sins and past failures, and we still feel unclean. We still feel don't right. We still don't feel right. You know, the interesting thing about this story and the fact that Jesus pulls her out and, and, and puts her on display, basically, is that before she was to be considered unclean, but he's making a bold statement here saying, she is not unclean, she is my daughter, and you will respect that, and you will love her, and you will care for her, and now she is not unclean. He hits them right where it matters. Because their religious beliefs were getting in the way. Their religious beliefs, their traditions, the thing they thought was accurate, was getting in the way of caring and loving for other people, allowing them to come and worship. 
we in the church can be that way sometimes. We don't, we don't like things to change. Who likes change? Don't put your hand up. Many don't like change. I already know that. That's scientifically proven in the study of humans. You don't like it because it causes distress. But we can't allow those stressful times, those things that need to be changed, we can't allow that to get in the way of us doing what Christ has asked us to do, or we're going to miss the opportunities to be an example out there in the real world. And if we're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, if we're not praying, if we're not seeing, we will miss those things. If you've got problems in relationships, you need to fix them. You need to let go of the pride, get rid of the garbage in the past of the issues that you had. Again, you're not a doormat, but my point is, if there are relationships that you haven't repaired, repair them and fix them, get over it. Just get over it. Move on. No point holding those grudges. Right? Easier said than done, but think about it. Whether it's a spouse, a friend, a relative, whatever, let it go. Let it go. But we really need to show that love and let the Holy Spirit speak to us when we're out and about, when we're at work, when we're at school, wherever we are, when we're in church. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you on how to speak to others and what to say and how to fix what we've broken because of our pride, because of our issues. And this isn't to make you feel guilty. I mean, we all struggle with stuff, but fix some of these things that are easy to fix. Get your pride out of the way. Let it go. Let it go. Let it go. No, I'm not going to do it. Please, think about it. Think about it. So in our scripture today, we see that faith in Jesus does a couple things. I'm going to talk about those. One is persistence in overcoming obstacles. This woman works her way through the crowd, the crowd it all together, and overcomes that shame she has, overcomes the feelings of, of not worthy and a fear of how Jesus might, might communicate to her because Jesus is a religious man. So you think about it, if you've been hurt by religious people on a regular basis and there's a religious man that has been healing and you're like, well, I've been hurt by these people before, but if I can just touch the garment and get out of there and get my healing, the mystical, magical healing, without causing a stir, then that would be great if I could just do this. But she's persistent and goes for it. She had probably had a fear that she might contaminate Jesus because she was unclean and she was told she was. She couldn't go anywhere. So there's a lot of stuff going on. But faith overcomes those obstacles, those struggles that we have, those issues that we have. Faith will overcome that in the person of Jesus. Not in some mystical, magical, whatever, in him. Fear brings also the power of God into everyday events. And this is where we need to be in tune. This is where we need to pay attention a bit more. I don't know in your life if you've had times where there's been a moment where you were unable to speak into someone's life because you didn't pay attention. You weren't spiritually in tune. You weren't focused on what God was saying and speaking to you. And you missed the opportunity. I know I have. Because I'm either tired or I'm busy or I'm just not paying attention or whatever. We miss those everyday moments. Faith can be imperfect. You see this by this story. Her faith was not perfect. She still had fear. She had fear. Wait a minute. 
But everyone says, you know, oh, to have faith in North America, you can't have any fear. You've got to name it. You've got to claim it. You've got to say, I own it. And Jesus will do it because I said it. No. No. We have to have faith in him, but we can still, still deal with our insecurities during it, and he will walk through us. He knows you better than you know yourself. So faith can be imperfect, but it can be bold. Faith can be halting, but it can be brave. It can be laced with fear and trepidation. But what counts for it to be effective is it to be directed rightly to Jesus and who he is. What saved this father's daughter and the woman in this story, if you read later, he goes and he heals the little girl. What saved them? It was that their faith was directed towards Jesus. It was toward Jesus. So faith shows that we can overcome obstacles. It brings the power of God into our everyday events because we are in the Word. We are in this. We're reading it. We're studying it. We're asking God to speak to us. We're asking the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And when the Holy Spirit is working in your life, you will see things. You will be able to speak into people's life. He will give you the words or no words, maybe actions, to speak into other people's lives. But we don't always utilize the Holy Spirit. Like I said before, we, we get Jesus, we get God the Father, but the Holy Spirit's kind of like the long-lost uncle. We need, to, we need to stop that. Part of the Trinity, part of the Godhead, is a person doing many things. Jesus said, you're going to have this, and bam, there's the Spirit. You all have access. But we tend to think, well, you know, I don't know. Because we've abused it. Because we've allowed the abuse of the Holy Spirit and taken it in directions that I don't know if God really wanted that. So let's be careful about that. But into everyday events, the only way is Scripture, Holy Spirit speaking through you and to you. Thirdly, faith shows that it is tangible. Faith is something that can be seen. We quote Hebrews too much. Faith is believing in something you cannot be seen. Faith can be seen. It can be. It doesn't say that Scripture's wrong. I'm just saying it's tangible. We can see stuff happening with faith, just like in this story. It's the courage that we see. It's the bravery. It's the fear and trepidation. We can see those things. Faith is working through those and still going through what God has asked you to do. Did you get that? You can still have those fears, those insecurities, those issues, but you can be brave as you go through it. You can give power by the Holy Spirit, strength by the Holy Spirit to get through it to get to what God is asking for you to do, for it to happen, whatever it is. Does that mean everyone gets healed? No. No. They don't. Uh, do we know why? Mm -mm. And, and it's not because of a lack of faith. Always. Sometimes, maybe, I don't know. I'm not God, and neither are you. We don't know. But I've heard people over the span of my Christian walk saying, they just didn't have enough faith, that's why they're sick. Garbage. Garbage theology, 
stop it. That's not true. That's not true. You don't command anything. You ask. You petition. And if God wants to, he will. And I don't know why he does and doesn't. But he's the one in charge. Not you, not me. Don't have a theology that's garbage. Because it just makes your life worse. Don't. Don't. Fourthly, faith shows us that Jesus will meet our needs. He'll meet our needs. Maybe not our wants. Maybe not our wants. You know, I'd love $70 million. When we're talking about $70 million, the Lotto Max, that would just fix a whole bunch of issues, wouldn't it? 70 mil? Yeah. I could buy some toys on the side too for, for the work of the Lord, of course. But he will meet our needs. And that doesn't mean praying in the win of the lottery. As much as that would be nice. I would like to see, you know, the sad part is, you know, sometimes it just by fluke it happens. But if you get someone who believes in word faith and tell them, hey, you pray that you win. And then if they won, ugh, that would just be very frustrating. But most of the time it doesn't work that way. Praying in to win the lotto. Ugh. First of all, you got to buy a ticket. That's kind of probably where my issue might be. And then work from there. And I'm not saying do lotto and gamble. So let's don't take that out of here and then make it a big thing. But he meets our needs. He meets our needs. This woman was physically ill. She was in need of a healing. She forces her way in. She was hoping to be quiet and he'd just cure her. She serves, though, as a model that people who are shy, that people who are ashamed, that people who are afraid but still boldly come to Jesus, man, he can do stuff. And there's many times that God gives you the strength within your illness, within your sickness to continue. That, to me, is a big healing. Because a lot of times we could just roll over and be done with whatever our illness is, but we don't. Because God can give us the strength to power through, to continue on. And we'd be an example and utilize this illness, this sickness, whatever it is, utilize it for Jesus. Say that, hey, you know, there's a lot of stories about people who are, who've been sick or have a disease that have continued to be faithful to Jesus even though he hasn't healed them, even though they still are sick. Does this mean that we will always be healed and that our prayers are answered the way we want them? I, mean, I think you already know the answer. The answer is no. Evil sickness and the death of children and people, it will continue to exist. It will continue to exist. Not every touch heals, and those with faith still hear the dreaded word from the doctor, whatever that may be. In cases you've known, family members, maybe in your own life. This passage does not offer any explanation as to why a loving God allows evil to continue to exist or why the inexplicable happens. 
It does not affirm that God is on the side of those who suffer, or, or sorry, it does. <laughs> it does affirm that God is on the side of those who suffer and that are struggling with grief and issues. And a miracle uh, does not occur in every horrible situation. There's been situations that I've been personally involved in where I prayed, nothing, because things still happen. But that doesn't lessen the power of God. It doesn't lessen his power. The miracle of healing, uh, of the healing of emotional pain, is not less than physical. If God intervenes in every situation, we would never have to exercise our faith because he'd just do what we bid. And a great example of that faith, of that attitude, is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I bet you haven't heard this story in a while. And in Daniel chapter 3, verses 17 to 18, they express the kind of faith that can carry us through any tragedy, any struggle, when they declare their tormentor. And it goes like this. It says, if they're talking to the king, and they say, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. Now, most North American Christians stop there and will be like, yes, claim it, done. No. But they say this afterwards, and we forget this part. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Even if he doesn't save us. Do you have a faith that even though you're going through struggles and trials and physical issues, that you will serve God even if he doesn't do something for you? we got to think that through. This week I want you to think that through. I would encourage you, those who are struggling today with feeling unclean or not good enough to spend time in prayer this week, know and accept that God has made you clean and he has made you whole. That's it. You don't need anything else. As a community of believers, we need to be continually reminded and remind one another that God has atoned for our sin and allowed us to live a life that is white as snow. Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be what? White as? Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. The challenge this week for you to spend time in prayer about overcoming your insecurities, your shame, your, the issues you have, and recognize God's healing power. Remind each other daily that Christ has washed us clean. We don't need to live in the past. If you've made mistakes, stop. Move on. If you screw up again, stop. Forgiveness, move on. That is the key. I'm going to ask the band to come up. They're going to take you in a few songs. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to have a baptism. Very excited. Richard and Dave are here, and uh, we're going to meet in the back room. I'll walk you guys out that way.
The challenge is to let go, let go of your past, of your issues, of your things, of your hiccups, and recognize what is actually true. Jesus is on the throne. He's the one that we need to worry about. He's the one we need to be seeking advice, seeking direction, and the Holy Spirit will guide us as long as we're in tune. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Help us as we go through our week that we will recognize your voice, that we will hear you in the word, we'll hear you in scripture, that we will be ready to do what you've asked. And help us in in our daily walk to recognize your spirit, to recognize that you have tasks for us to do. You have words for us to say. You have people for us to speak into their lives. Help us to see that over our own issues, over our own pride, over our own wants. Help us to do that, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. God bless you. I'm going to leave you with the band, and then we will go to our baptism. baptism service um, when they come out of that water we're going to cheer we're going to clap and we're going to sing uh, because clearly it is a, a moment worth celebrating so let's sing now and then uh, when they are ready we will do that
If you ever wanted an experience of cold water, <laughs> you're coming over here so they can see you. I'm going to let uh, Christian show the video before we uh, go to our baptism. Hi, my name's Richard, and I'm here to get baptized, and I've had a bit of a tough life, basically hit the ground running. <laughs> uh, we lived in poverty for like quite a long time, and not a lot to, like, to have or to give, because we didn't have nothing to give. We, whatever we got was whatever we got. <laughs> But I've been drawn here from my friend Bill, who's been nudging me over the years. And I'm certainly glad he's done his job, because <laughs> now I'm here. <laughs> and I thank you, Bill. And I thank all your family, and I thank all my family. And I thank everybody for being here today. It's a very important uh, thing for me. I need my life changed. And the only way is to follow Jesus. And here I am. So, do what you want with me. I'm fully in your hands. Everybody that I've been coming across and stuff like that, I'm starting to see them in a new light. Like, just seeing them as good people and seeing the bad people, but wanting to change the bad people to being good. And if that's my plan, for, if he's got this in his plans for me, then I'm all for it. Like, I have lived a life of rock and roll and heavy metal and done the partying, done the drugs, done the drinking, and it's gotten me nowhere. Because there's so much more meaning in playing this kind of music than the music I was playing. It was, I felt like an empty shell, and it wasn't filling it. But as soon as I started coming towards this, it was like, hey, my tank is filling. <laughs> Now I want it full. And just thank you for everybody. And God bless and may Jesus love you and shine upon you every day. Okay. Hi there. Uh, yes, I'm, my name is David Shaw and I'm proud to be a member of the church here, um, Westwinds Church in Cloverdale. And I've, I've been coming here for some time now and um, met some really, really great people here. And the reason I'm here is I've, I want to get baptized actually. And it's been a thing that I've wanted to do all my life. I just never had a chance when I was younger, I guess. And I'm, I like to, I'm very well into the faith here, and I'd like to uh, go on a new path and, um, and uh, be enlightened and with um, Christianity. And, um, I, and I would more than love to get baptized and be a part of this church for the rest, for the rest of my life. Yeah. Uh, Richard, I'll get you to stand right here and face this way. Awesome. So, Richard, you love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? Awesome. And today you want to be after you're going to love the Lord forever, eh? Awesome. Okay, let's do this.
soul, mind, and strength. You're going to love Jesus for the rest of your life. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. What a great Sunday. God bless you and be safe out there. Let me pray for you really quick. Father, thank you for this glorious day. May we all be excited like the first time we accepted you. As we go out there, Holy Spirit, continue to speak to us. Continue to speak through us. Help us to be a great example in our community where we work and where we play. In Jesus' name, everyone sit. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.